0: it is my very great privilege and honor to invite you to open a Bible with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27 we have three stops in God's Word this morning there will be a variety of passages projected on the screen behind me but you need a Bible open or on to read right along with me I would love it if you would read from your Bible Matthew chapter 27 is where we are going to launch here in just a few moments Thank you so much for being here on this first day of a new God-given week. What better way to begin this week than by singing all about the God who has given us this week. He's given us time and energy and health and freedoms and opportunities. You've been an encouragement to me this morning. By being here, by singing together in the way that you have remembered what our lord has done to make all of this possible and so thank you for being an encouragement to me and to being an encouragement next to each other and i pray that our time in god's word together this morning will be an encouragement to all of you in recent weeks we have been visiting various doors of the bible our children did that in june during vacation bible school five different doors that really Tell us giant lessons for life. Teach us, even though we weren't there and and did not build what was built or participate in what these real men and women participated in, they are enduring lessons and principles that we need to understand and apply and, and live out in our own God-given time. And so several weeks ago we passed through the Ark door, and after that we moved from the first book of the Bible to the second book of the Bible, and we passed through the Passover door. Most recently we passed through the Sheep door, and all of those are available on our website. We're not going to go back and rehash all of that, but if I could just summarize in a few sentences We have learned that sin is serious, and its consequences are devastating. And the adversaries of God and of even our own souls are very real. But every step of the way, God has provided a door. And He's not going to force me. He's not going to force you to pass through that door. But He has made everything necessary in order for that door to open for me and for you that sin might be a conquered foe in our lives. And we might not have to fear even death itself. In fact... That is our fourth door, and I would suggest, highly, strongly argue the greatest door of all. Because of this door, the other doors make sense. Because of this fourth door, those first three doors are worth learning about and studying and And applying to our lives in many ways, I hope to show you over the next few minutes, everything hinges on this door. And we read about that door in matthew chapter 7 i need you to look with me at the end of that chapter matthew chapter 27 verse 59 where we read about a man named joseph verse 59 of matthew 27 tells us joseph took the body wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. Clearly, we have jumped right into the middle of a story. and Sometimes you walk into the middle of conversations and there's a story already being told and you're not even sure whether or not it's, it's worth having someone rehearse how the story began. But this story is worth your attention this morning. And in order to fully understand the glory of this story. Why? 2,000 years after this weekend, we're still singing about glorifying the name of Jesus. Well, we would have to go a long ways back. Could I just go two days back before these two verses? Back to Matthew chapter 27, verse 57. It was a... Friday, in the city of Jerusalem. And there were at least three crosses employed on that Friday, on the right and on the left. There were two thieves, insurrectionists even, who had died on those crosses. But there was someone in that middle cross Who said strange things and acted in strange ways, even going so far as praying for the people who were cheering for his death. And for about six hours, he. Hung on that cross. And as he took his last breath, there were unexplainable things in Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, even in the heavens themselves that happened to the point that hardened Roman soldiers didn't quite know what to do with all of this. We're picking up in Matthew chapter 27 verse 57. You see that in your Bibles. Matthew 27, verse 57. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is the name of the man who died on that middle cross. Joseph went to the Roman governor Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him, and Joseph took the body. He wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. That's Friday. And all on its own, those four verses, all that they do is describe someone who died, a couple of women who cared enough to watch, and a wealthy man who thought enough about that man who died on that middle cross to ask permission for his body, to honor that body, and to honor the memory of the man who had lived in that body enough to use his own tomb that was Friday verse 62 takes us to Saturday the next day that is after the day of preparation the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said sir we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive after three days I will rise. That man on that middle cross while he was alive said a pretty strange thing. I'm going to die and three days later I will rise. And there were plenty of Jewish authorities, you heard it in their own words, they believed He's an imposter. And they want to make sure nobody else chooses to believe Jesus, that man who died on that middle cross, is anything more than an imposter. And so they come to the occupying powers that be, and they say, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure. The door has been shut. We want to make sure that door stays shut and secure until the third day lest His disciples go and steal Him away and tell the people He has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Roman governors weren't always in the habit of granting the requests of occupied peasants. But on this occasion, Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go and make it as secure as you can. So they went, the door is shut, it is secure, it is guarded, it is even sealed into verse 66. That's Saturday. The very next verse takes us to Sunday. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, those, those two women who cared enough to watch as he was being buried, they went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Don't miss the irony of that. Hardened Roman soldiers trembling so bad it's as if they're dead. First words out of the angel's mouth to those women who cared enough to watch Jesus be buried are, don't be afraid. I, I know why you're here. I know that you seek Jesus. That man on the middle cross. Jesus who was crucified. And on that Sunday... Two thousand years ago, news was shared that changed the world. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come. See the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. And behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. Many of us have read this many, many, many times. And so could I encourage you not to take for granted what you're reading, not just to gloss over, not to allow this most earth-shaping news in the history of humanity just to fly by your mind this morning. There was an empty tomb. There were guards trembling. There are women who see an angel who delivers news. I know why you're here. I know what you're looking for. He's not just a body. And the body isn't here. And it's not that the body was taken and we don't know where it is. It's that he has risen. In fact, Just like He said He was going to, He has risen. And it's not that, well, He's not here and we don't know where He is. It's that you need to go, tell His followers, He's going to meet them in Galilee and they're going to see him see I have told you so these two women they depart quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and they're running to tell his disciples and behold the man who had died on the middle cross met them and he spoke (laughs) greetings And they came up and took hold of his feet. They could really touch him. He wasn't a ghost. This wasn't a vision. This wasn't a dream. They could touch him. And they worshipped him. And then Jesus said exactly what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Stop number one. Go with me, stop number two to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've suggested to you this morning, this is the most important door of all. This is the door on which all other doors are hinged. And so, as you're turning to 1 Corinthians 15, let me ask you, what is the most important door you have ever walked through? I mean, really. You've walked through a lot of doors. You've walked through a lot of doors this morning. What is the most important life-shaping, future-altering, impactful door for you and your family and those who know you. What's the biggest, most significant door you've ever walked through? For some, as they, as they wake up on a Sunday morning, The answer would be, well, it's the college that I was accepted to because, man, I worked so hard. My parents really pushed me. I had good teachers who believed in me. And I worked and I worked and I pushed and I pushed. And I was able to get through the door of a college that absolutely changed my life. And there's something to be said for that. But that's not the most important door. And if you live like that's the most important door, you're wasting your God-given life. What's the most important door you've ever walked through? Is it the, the room where you met your spouse? That's a life-changing event, right? And forever it was as if both of your lives were were lived on a completely different angle. And there are all sorts of blessings that came as a result of that. Perhaps more human beings that came as a result of you walking through that door. And you meeting your spouse. And you've got someone that you hope to live for the rest of your life with. That's a significant door. But I want you to listen to me this morning. That's not the most important door of all. And if you treat that as the most important door of all, you're missing the point. What's the most significant door you've ever walked through? A a life-changing job. Maybe a doctor's office where you had no idea anything was going on, but what that doctor discovered inside of that room, because you walked through that door, it saved your life. And you want to tell everybody about the skill and the expertise. Maybe you would describe it as the luck or the good fortune of walking through that door. I want you to listen to me this morning. All of those significant doors, not the most important. What will you gain if you walk through all of those doors? And you're not right with the God who created you. If this door had stayed shut, could I lean on the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to try and show you none more important than this door. The ark door, big deal. Passover door, big deal. Sheep door, big deal. But none more important than this one. If this door had stayed shut, Something incredible happened in the days of Noah. Uh, Something unexplainable happened in the history of the Jewish people thousands of years ago in Egypt on on the day that they continue to commemorate as the Passover. Even Jesus, we learned a couple of years ago, describes himself as the sheep door. and, And we learned some valuable lessons from that. But you put all of that together, if this door stays shut, Why should you pay attention? I mean, really. In fact, that's what Paul shows us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14. If that tomb door on that Sunday had stayed shut... Verse 14, Paul says, Our preaching is vain and your faith is in vain. Why continue to herald the name of someone... Who lived and then died and stayed dead. Now, I mean, we we do that, right? Many of you have just stepped into U.S. history or world history for the next few months. And you'll talk about all sorts of men and women who they lived. They lived extraordinary. Sometimes really impactful for good. Sometimes terribly bad for the people around them, but they all lived. And they all died. Young person, you, you can start at the cover of your world history book, and you can go all the way to the end of the world history book. And unless there's a section, probably a small section, about this man that we're talking about this morning, everybody else, Lived and died and they're still dead. We don't talk about them the way you have heard people even this morning talk about Jesus in the present tense. Have you noticed that? That we've not just talked about who he was, we've talked about Who he is. We've not just talked about what he has done. We're we're talking about what he was going to do. But that's a moot point. If that door stays shut. Preaching is vain. Your faith in him is in vain. Verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 15. If that tomb door stays shut. Paul says, listen, these apostles of Jesus Christ, we're misrepresenting God. We got something wrong, or we're telling a lie about something that God never said or or never did. Because it all hinges on this door. What God was doing from Noah through Moses through the prophets all the way to the first century A.D., it's all hinged right here on this door. Verse 17, if that tomb door had stayed shut, your faith is futile, and Paul suddenly gets really, really, really personal. You're a sinner. You've done things that your Creator didn't want you to do. In fact, your Creator drew lines, and you blew right past them. Your Creator tells you to do things and you have the other way. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of the God who created us. And you and I this morning need to come face to face with if that door stayed shut on that first day of the week. The only thing you can describe yourself as being in... The only thing I can describe myself as being in is sin. If that tomb door stayed shut, those who have fallen asleep, a a beautiful poetic way that Paul uses to describe those who have, have experienced physical death, if that tomb door has stayed shut, they're gone. They've perished. Who knows what happens from there? I mean, it's the wild, wild west of human theories. If that tomb door stayed shut, verse 19, as those who have sacrificed everything, Paul would say, for this news and this person who died on that middle cross, if his tomb door is still shut, we are of all people most to be pitied. I mean, we've been talking... Foolishly, we've been acting foolishly, we've been making foolish mistakes. Why not just go with the flow of the rest of the world? Eat, drink, be merry, make the most of it. Because who knows? If that tomb door has stayed shut, our preaching, our faith is vain, we're misrepresenting God, faith is futile, we're still in our sins, the dead are just gone. Who knows where and of all people, people who believed otherwise are most to be pitied. But, in fact, could I encourage you this morning to anchor yourself to this fact? I'm going to go so far as to say you're not going to hear another fact worth building your life upon this week more than this. I don't care what door you're able to go through. Today, this week, this month, this year, for the rest of your life. Here is solid rock. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. You look up at verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says, I, I delivered this news. Remember who he was. He believed Jesus was a fraud. He believed Jesus was an imposter. And now he is gleefully sharing this news that he received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And he appeared. He appeared to Cephas. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom, as he writes this letter, are still alive. Track them down. Go talk to them. Some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James. He appeared to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead and he wants us to understand notice those next three words first corinthians 15 verse 20 the first fruits verse 23 christ the first fruits into verse 20 the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep Stop number three, and the lesson is yours. Go with me to the Gospel of John chapter 5. John chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is writing, proclaiming as an eyewitness, I saw him, I'm not the only one. Dozens saw him Hundreds saw him at the same time. He was gracious to me, though I believed he was an imposter and a fraud. He changed my life. You need to know the tomb door opened and he is the first fruits of those to come out. So what's it all mean? Would you listen with me to Jesus? Jesus. Because let's be real honest this morning. If the tomb door stays shut, why worry about what Jesus of Nazareth had to say? I mean, really. But if the tomb door opened... On a Sunday, just like today, and Jesus of Nazareth, the man who died on that middle cross, came out of that door. Listen, you need to accept everything he said. And I mean that. If his door opened and he came out, you, I, everyone needs to accept everything he said. John chapter 5, verse 17. My Father, Jesus says, is working until now, and I am working. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and he's now here. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. The tomb door stays shut 2,000 years ago on Sunday. Why should I listen to any of that? But if the tomb didn't stay shut if the tomb door opened ladies and gentlemen this is true And the one who came out told us about it before he went in and if the tomb door is open I you everyone listen the most important thing is not how I feel about what he said If the tomb door is empty, the most important thing is not whether or not I'm interested in acknowledging him as king. If the tomb door is open, it doesn't matter what I would do differently than what he did. I'm going to go into the tomb and my door will stay shut. And so will yours. But not his. I want to boil down with you into five simple points. What we can know because his tomb door opened. Number one, verse 28. One day, he's going to open all the tomb doors. How do we know? Because his was opened. That sounds like a mighty task. Well, (laughs) Paul and Peter and others devoted the rest of their Jesus-changed lives to asking, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? Jesus is the first to rise from the dead. There is therefore going to be a resurrection of everybody, both of the just and of the unjust. Number one, one day Jesus is going to open all the tomb doors. Number two, As the Son of God, He's got the power to open the tomb doors. That sounds like an incredibly difficult thing to do. Well, not when we remember that He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Not when we remember that He not only said, I'm the bread... I am the living water. I am the door of the sheep. But he said outside of another man's tomb, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then he called Lazarus to come out and the dead man came out. As the son of God, he has the power. As the son of man, verse 27 He has the authority to judge everybody who comes out. In fact, that's what Paul goes into Athens preaching. Acts 17 verse 31. Your creator has fixed a day on which he's going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And he's given assurance of all of this by raising him from the dead. Everything hinges on. The tomb door being opened. That was a long time ago. It's a Sunday morning. I got a lot going on. What does this have to do with me? We can't put it any more clearly than your resurrection experience is going to correspond Matthew 5 or John 5 verse 29 with the way you live. All who are in the tombs are going to hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I want you to listen to me this morning. What's the worst thing death can do? Really. What is the absolute worst thing death can do? If you ignore your creator, the worst thing that death can do is usher you into the unfiltered presence of the God who created you. The God you're unprepared to meet. But if you believe the one who came out of the tomb, And you follow, you do what the one who came out of the tomb tells you to do. If you're in Christ, what's the worst thing death can do? It can make your life infinitely better. The worst thing death can do for a Christian is make their life infinitely better. And that's determined. It corresponds with who their hope and their faith was in. Last point. If I want to be raised to life then, I need to be raised to life now. Verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. What did Jesus mean by that? Could I end with you in Romans chapter 6? where we find exactly what Jesus meant by that. The Apostle Paul, Saint Paul that we've been leaning on his preaching in the first century, asks the question, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, what, shall, what then shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Are we to continue in sin because Jesus opened the tomb door? By no means. We've got to die to sin. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How do we die to sin? Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ... What's the worst thing death can do for someone in Christ? Make their life infinitely better. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were buried therefore with Him by baptism. What is baptism? It's a burial. Burial of what? Burial of sin, burial of rebellion, burial of selfishness, self-centeredness. In order that, you see, it all hinges on this door opening. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. If we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. One who's died has been set free from sin. Did you come in this room this morning free from sin? And if not, why not? The worst thing death can do if you're a slave of sin is usher you into the presence of the God who created you, the presence of the God you've sinned against, the presence of the God you're not prepared to stand before. But Paul is talking about being free from sin. Having died with Christ, full of faith that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ... Being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What's the worst thing that death can do for someone in Christ? Make their life infinitely better. Everything hinges on this door. So I don't know what doors you're going to walk through this week. But here's what I do know. If you're in Christ, everything's going to be okay. You walk through the door of a doctor's office and you get the most devastating diagnosis you could possibly imagine. If you're in Christ, everything's going to be okay. But you've got to be in Christ. ...in order for that to be true. And you need to understand, as we sing this song... ...a call started to sound on that Sunday... ...because the door had been opened... ...and the man who died on that middle cross came out of the grave. And it's a call that has circled the world over and over and over again. It's a call that is being broadcasted all over this world today... And it's a call that you have the opportunity right here, right now, to respond to. The tomb door is open. The one who came out of the door is coming again. If we can help you in being right with him, would you let us know how we can help? By coming right up here to the front while we stand and sing together.